Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Saturday Night Get Together here on CBS Sports Radio. Johnny Mac coming your way live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket Can. All right, uh, I'm excited to talk to my next guest. Haven't talked to him in a couple of months because he hasn't worked. Don't kid yourself. 365 days a year, even if he's not writing or podcasting about it, he's thinking hoops. He's our buddy Howard back from Sports Illustrated and his podcast, one of the best, the crossover. HB, how's your downtime been? <laughs> Went by too fast, Jody Mack, but uh, here, here, we, here we are. The NBA is uh, well underway and everything's already going crazy. So uh, there is some uh, craziness, madness to the NBA, which means they'll be around all season long, which is a good thing for guys like you and me. All right. Before we ever talk about uh, the start to the season, most teams have already played two games. Some have only played one, um, but we've already had some outcomes that uh, surprised me a little bit. I do want to talk to you about the uh, 75-year anniversary team, which they gave out in drips and drabs over the week over the broadcast outlets that the NBA partners with. Uh, I was glad to see the way that it played itself out in that all 50 of the uh, players on the 50-year anniversary team stayed, uh, but it wasn't necessarily the way it was going to play. It wasn't given ex- instructions that you just added 25 more, but it did keep the 50-50 at play, which is exactly what I wanted to see. How about you? Well, I was one of the 88 voters, so I had to make the tough decision about what to do with the original 50 from the 50th anniversary team, because this is a new team. It's the 75th anniversary team. And my initial philosophy was if you take anybody off the 50th and don't put them on the 75th, that's fine. You're not denying them their original honor of being on the 50th anniversary team. That's there for all time. Um, so I, I went in trying to be more open-minded and not look to remove guys. Although there are a ton of really great players that have come through since that team was unveiled in 1996 and chosen in 96. Uh, I ultimately removed one. I, I knocked Lenny Wilkins out on my ballot. Now, Lenny Wilkins ended up getting voted in anyway by the other voters, so you know, no change, obviously, at all. You're, you're happy with the 50 staying intact and just 25 being added. A lot of people that I've heard from over the last 48 hours, it's, it's the opposite. They feel like a lot of the guys who were on that 50th team they're you know from the, the the early ages of the NBA and maybe some of them had you know suspect resumes or there were only eight teams and there were nine teams you know why are we carrying through these guys look at today's athletes they're bigger they're stronger they're faster they're better and so there there's a compelling argument in either direction I ultimately mostly didn't touch it the original list aside from Lenny Wilkins because I was mostly being deferential to the people who chose that team in that at that time in '96. Those were a lot of people, the voters then, media, coaches, uh, players, others, who saw those early decades of the NBA themselves, which I did not. And so it's hard to second-guess 
decisions made in 96 about guys from the 50s, 60s, and 70s from my vantage point here in 2021, even though I have been covering the league since 97. So it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tough exercise regardless. Um, and, you know, people will quibble over who made it, they'll quibble over who didn't. That's part of the whole exercise. That's just how it goes. And there were no rules. It's, it's pick it how you see it. Right, which uh, was understandable. And, I'm, again, I'm glad the way it played out. If one or two guys had been taken off, I'd analyze those who were added and say, no, that shouldn't have happened. Or, you know, they've actually got a point. Uh, it didn't come to that. Uh, and you had 49 or 50, which is pretty damn close. I, I've read some of the quibbles and heard some of the quibbles with guys who didn't make the 75 and may have thought better than guys who did stick around from the original one. And one of the arguments I'm not getting is, and again, the rules were that there were no rules. I saw people speculate that, well, some players like a Manu Ginobili or a Pau Gasol should have made it because they're such great international players. This is the NBA's 75 and 75, right? That's what they named it. That's what they called it. This isn't the Basketball Hall of Fame where European uh, international play does count and is part of the evaluation process. That's why I didn't have a problem with either Gasol or uh, Ginobili not making it because what they did internationally, for me, is a non-factor in this vote. I haven't heard anybody make that argument, Jody Mack. When I've heard people suggest that Pau Gasol or Manu or Tony Parker should have made it, it's more about what they did in the NBA. Pau Gasol was an integral part of two championship teams with the Lakers, with Kobe Bryant. Kobe doesn't win those fourth and fifth titles of his own without a, a lot of help from Pau. Pau had a phenomenal career. Pau is, is you know, I, I'm sure going to the Hall of Fame. And, of course, the Hall of Fame does take into account much beyond the NBA. So it is a Correct. little bit of a different exercise. But Pau's NBA career was pretty spectacular. I had him on my list of guys I had to at least consider. I did not ultimately put him on my ballot. But Manu and, and Tony Parker, I mean, look, those guys were part of four championships and part of, you know, one of the, the great modern dynasties in San Antonio. And while, you know, they don't necessarily have the gaudiest of stats, guess what? Go look back at all those guys who won championships with Bill Russell or some of the guys who made the best, you know, the, the, the 50th team and the 75th team from the 50s, 60s, 70s, a lot of them didn't have exactly have gaudy stats either. I'd put Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili up against Bill Sharman or Billy Cunningham or some of these guys. Like These were great players, and it's not just their international resumes. It's absolutely their NBA resumes. And again, those were tough cuts. I did not have Parker and Ginobili on my ballot, but I, have, I will forever wonder whether I should have because they were absolutely worthwhile or, or worthy candidates. It's just trying to, to cram too many players on there and having left intact most of the 50th team, I just didn't have room. But I could have easily talked myself into bumping some of the old-timers for either of those guys, or both. If, if I told you you had to choose between one of those two San Antonio guards, one makes it, one doesn't, which one are you taking? You know, aesthetically, I loved Manu more as a player. He was just so much fun to watch offensively and defensively. Just the way he moved, the cre- creativity in his game, and as a scorer, you know, the guy willingly went to the bench to become a sixth man, but absolutely could have been a starter, not just for the Spurs, but pretty much for almost every team in the league. And so I lean his direction, but Tony Parker is the one who actually won a finals MVP. Right. And so, you know, that, that's, a, that's a tough call. I probably still lean Manu also for his defense. That might put him push him ahead of Tony Parker, but Tony Parker was a really great scorer, uh, scorer from the guard position. 
Um, not the flashiest passer necessarily, but he could beat you in a variety of ways, and he was he was excellent. And again, Duncan's not winning those other championships without those guys. Uh, very true. Uh, I'm more of a Parker guy. Then you know, but that's just me. Um, two other guys I want to ask you about, and then we'll get to this year's NBA season. Two players made it who played the majority of their time when the fifty at fifty year uh, team was put together, and they didn't make it then, but they made it this time. In Bob McAdoo and uh, the, the human highlight film, Dominique Wilkins. I argued for both of those guys when they came out with the 50 and 50. And, yes, I, I've been around long, uh, long enough, even longer than you, that I could uh, make that argument on the air at that time. Um, I was glad to see both of those guys got a second chance and made it here at 75. What did you think? If you want to share, how did you vote on those two guys? I, I mean, my ballot is an open secret because I, I, I already wrote, you know, 12, 1,500 words about it for, for Sports Illustrated for SI.com where people can go check out my column on it. So none, none of my ballot is not a secret. Okay, um, good. I, in, re, in removing Lenny Wilkins, that opened up a spot for Dominique Wilkins. Uh, coincidental that they share a last name, although with different spellings. Um, but Dominique, I thought, was a, a terrible oversight back in 96. And so... Uh, he was the one that I, I definitely was looking to get on there from the group that could have been on at the 50th mark. Bob McAdoo was somebody that I, I certainly considered heavily. My good buddy, Mark Stein, that's one of, one of the ones that he was advocating for very hard. And, and Stein and I had, had a few conversations about him. Uh, I'm glad to see it. It did not make my ballot, but still glad to see it. Fair enough. Uh, and I just think it's very ironic that McAdoo finally makes it because if ever there was an original stretch five, it was Bob McAdoo. He was the center who used to shoot from 25, 30 feet when they didn't have a three-point line. And now that's such an integral part of the NBA. He would be a perfect fit in today's game. But I was always a huge McAdoo fan and glad that he was on the list. All right, let's turn to this season. I watched the Sixers and the Nets last night and saw no part of Kyrie Irving and no show from Ben Simmons. Neither of the two a perennial all-stars in their team's lineups yet. Differing, different reasons behind both. We'll tackle Kyrie first. He's a New York guy. Um, can't play in any games at the Barclays Center because he doesn't want to get uh, the vaccination. And the New York laws do not allow him to be in a closed arena unless he's vaccinated and participate. And the Nets told him, listen, we're not going to just use you on the road. Either you get the vaccination and you play all the games or we'll ask you to stay home for the road games. So he's not getting paid on any of the home games. He's getting paid for the road games, about 40-some-odd well, games, and he's going to cash about $15, $16 million to not play unless the situation changes, of course. Is it going to change or is Kyrie going to stand by, I don't do the vaccine thing all year long? I have no idea. <laughs> and anybody anybody who claims they do is uh, is just guessing. Um, you know, he could change his mind. He could decide. Maybe he'll finish doing his research. Um, he could decide to get the vaccine, and that would that would change everything. And he'd be back, and he'd be playing home and road, and and everybody would just move on. He could decide to hold out on the vaccine the whole season, in which case the only way we see him play for the Nets is. If New York changes its law, that would probably only happen if, you know, things vastly, vastly improve with regard to the pandemic and where New York would, as a city would decide that this in, uh, particular mandate is, is no longer 
necessary in terms of, of needing to be vaccinated to be in certain places, including Barclays Center and, and Madison Square Garden. Um, you know, the third option in all this, and I think at the moment it feels like the most likely one to me, but again, just guessing, is that neither of those things change. Kyrie doesn't get the vaccine. New York doesn't change its law. But after a couple of months, the Nets get tired of waiting and, and, and spending you know, it's you know, 18 million is, is what they still have to pay him for just for the road games. But it's a 36 million dollar salary cap slot. It's it's basically just burned money. It's 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 dead money on the cap, as we call it in the NBA. And so, you know, if you traded Kyrie for two players making 18 each, or three players making, you know, 10 to 12 each, you've got a much better roster potentially. Now they've got plenty of depth. Some of it's older depth, but that's that's just wasted cap room right now and so you know for a team that's trying to win a championship it's one thing to be without your third best player your third star the guy who really puts you over the top and puts some distance between you and other teams at least on paper it's another thing to, to just not have anything coming from that 36 million dollar investment so if this goes on for a couple months and there's no reason to believe that he's either going to get the vaccine or that new york's going to change its law then the most logical thing from a basketball standpoint is to try to trade him for whatever you can get to a city where he can play all the games. And there are plenty of other NBA cities where there are no laws on the books prohibiting him. And he, you know, he, he could be a really productive player starring somewhere else. If you can find a, a, a trade partner and get back some usable pieces, I, I, I got to think that that is, you know, the next decision point a couple months down the road here if nothing else changes but Kyrie does not have a no trade clause in his contract do you know that they're very very no he, he, he cannot they are very very rare in the NBA and he does not qualify for that so no I, right. I can confidently say he does not fair enough all right then let's take the next logical step Kyrie Irving for Ben Simmons who says yes who says no and why <laughs> I mean <laughs> The Sixers are the ones saying no there. That's that's easy. Um, you know, the the Nets with Ben Simmons would be phenomenal. Uh, playmaking, uh, whatever you want to call him. He can play all five positions. And the Nets, if they do have a couple of concerns, one of them is probably defense. And having Ben Simmons out there guarding the opposition's best perimeter player means you don't have to worry about putting Durant on the best opposing perimeter player, for one. So the, the 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 Nets, it's an easy call. My gosh, um, they've got plenty of scoring. The Sixers, however, you know, I mean, yes, they want to star back, and Kyrie Irving qualifies technically, but Kyrie's incredibly unpredictable. I mean, he checked out for a couple weeks last season. He's unavailable right now because of the refusal to get vaccinated. He's a mercurial personality, to say the least. He has had some, some, you know, obviously some bad exits from both Cleveland and Boston. May have a bad exit from Brooklyn, too. I, that's, a, that's a risky gambit for a Sixers team that, at this stage, is doing everything possible to get whatever, you know, the, the best package possible for Ben Simmons. They've been really clear. In fact, Daryl Morey went on radio the other day and actually said it. I, I want a star back. So, um, yeah, Kyrie qualifies as a star, but not one that you can feel that confident about and, and, and from a chemistry standpoint, too. Yeah, Delmar, you doubled down that uh, if this goes all four years, then it goes all four years. But I'm getting an impact player back in exchange or Ben Simmons is coming back to play for us, one or the other. Uh, I liked his tenacity in saying it. I liked him setting it up the way that he wants to set it up. But 
his strength and his position and his critique is going to go uh, projectedly down the longer this doesn't get done. If that uh, star does not materialize, the other team, their dance partner, is willing to give up a uh, difference maker, as Daryl Morey called the type of player he wants to acquire. Uh, at what point does he have to start thinking about compromising if Ben Simmons is going to continue to be out of the lineup because A, he wants to be, or B, he's got a bad back, which came up out of nowhere, or C, he's got uh, mental issues that he's not capable mentally of playing for the Sixers right now, which somehow he'll get miraculously over if he gets traded. Um, When does the compromise begin in Daryl Morey's mind? I I don't think compromise is the right word here. I think what the Sixers are doing, what Daryl Morey is trying to do is what any any franchise in this position should do, which is you don't give up a player of Ben Simmons's caliber. For all of his warts, he is still a guy who has recently been all NBA, which at that time meant he was top fifteen in the NBA. Wherever you want to put him, top fifteen, top twenty, top twenty-five. He's only twenty-five years old. He's an incredible talent. He may say someday actually learn to jump, shoot, and actually trust his jump shot. Like if that's going to happen somewhere, probably. So. And he's already a, a you know perennial all defensive player and defensive player of the year candidate, and a great passer. So your mission, your your duty as the Sixers, whether you're Daryl Morey or ownership there, is to not trade him until you get the right value in return. And the market will change. I mean, the market's not static. People are acting as if like, oh, well, they've got to come down. They've got to do that. no. The market's going to change <laughs> in the coming weeks because the season just started. And some teams that had high expectations are going to fall on their face because that's what happens in the NBA every year. And so the market will change when teams start to realize that their offseason wasn't as good as they thought it was going to be or as they hoped it was. They'll look at their roster again in a month and think, wow, I guess guess we're not as close to competitive as we thought we were or as close to contention as we thought we were. And when that happens, teams are going to be much more willing to part with things and shake things up and make the kind of offers that Daryl Morey hopes for. Now, it still may not, he still may not get the right offer, for all I know. But I do know that the market will be a lot better in another month or so after teams have some clarity about wh- how good they really are or are not. And then there's also the December 15th date, whichever year is when guys who were signed during the summer can be traded. So there's a lot of the league that can't be traded right now. It makes it harder to make deals, especially if you're doing multi-team deals. That will clear up in mid-December. So I would say check back (laughs) after December 15th, and let's see where the market is then. All right, let me go to December 15th and ask you to play Daryl Morey. I'll play another team's general manager in the league. You tell me if you can pull the trigger on this deal, believing what Daryl Morey has said and what he's put forth as to what he's looking for. I'm the Cavs GM, and I offer you Colin Sexton and Laurie Markkinen, who was one of those guys who was signed during this offseason, a sign-and-trade deal, so he can't be dealt till the 15th. I probably have to throw another player in, like a Seti Osman, to make the salaries work, because Sexton and Markkinen don't match up enough with Simmons' number. But if I offered you Sexton, Markkinen, and Osman for Ben Simmons, would you do it if you were Daryl Morey? No. The... the, the, the goal here is clear. Joel Embiid was runner-up for MVP last season. He's going to be a perennial MVP candidate for the rest of his career as long as he stays healthy, and he's in his prime. Again, what is the duty of the team president or GM right now? Not just to get the best package back for Ben Simmons, but to get back a package that complements 
Joel Embiid and gets you as close as possible to title contention. And with Ben Simmons, they were a title contender. And if he were to come back and, 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 and decide he wanted to be there, they could be with him right now. So any trade you make that doesn't get you a player that can work comp- in a complimentary fashion with Joel Embiid and be a second star, be that co-star that you almost always need in this league to win championships, anything short of that is a failure. And I'm sorry, but Colin Sexton and Lowry Markkinen and anybody else you throw into that deal ain't getting them there. So no. Okay, I'm a bigger Sexton fan than everybody else. Apparently, every time I run this, is play he an NBA. established? Is he an established star? Is he a star who could complement Joel Embiid and get them to the title, in or to the least to the finals in June? I, I don't think so. And he, he also has a very short track record. Even he, whatever he is, whatever you like about him, it, it, it's it's he's been in the the, year, the 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 league for a few years. Like he's not at that level yet. He's not an all star yet. They need an established star. Here's my belief. I believe he's going to be a better player than Ben Simmons over the next five years. Plain and simple. Wow. I know Simmons okay. has certain qualities to his game that uh, Sexton will never have, but Sexton is a 25-point-a-game guy. Simmons never has been, never will be, and I know it's not all about scoring, but I think he's got the tenacity to play defense in this league. He's never going to be able to play it like a six foot ten Ben Simmons, but he's not going to be abused on defense either. Yeah, I, I think the kid's got all-star written all over him. I know uh, Simmons has already made some all-star teams, but I— Kind of debated when he did that he shouldn't have made it. I think there's uh, he's got some connections within the league that have helped him get there. But that's just me. I'm I'm a bigger Sexton fan than Simmons fan. That's for damn sure. All right, Howard. Let me ask you a couple just quick questions on the early returns in the se- season. Lakers zero and four. Is there zero pa- two? Is there panic in L.A.? No, no. I mean, this is an annual ritual. This, you know, I mean, Laker panic whether it's in the beginning of the season or the middle of the season. Also, LeBron panic. Wherever LeBron plays, Cleveland, Miami, L.A., there's always going to be some moment where everybody kind of freaks out about, you know, a five-game losing streak in February or, in this case, an 0-2 opening and kind of a shaky overall look to the team. It, it, it's, it's incredibly early. It's a brand-new roster. Like, after LeBron and AD, yeah, yeah, Rondo and Dwight had been there before two years ago, but they weren't there last season, so they're new. Taylor Horton Tucker was the only other carryover. And he's hurt right now. Avery Bradley just returns to them, but again, wasn't with them last season. So it's a whole new roster around them. And Russell Westbrook, as the biggest piece of that, is a really difficult fit in the first place. And everybody in the NBA knew that the moment that they acquired him, that fitting in Russell Westbrook was going to be, at minimum, a challenge. And in some people's view, maybe impossible. So, But we got to at least give them time to figure that out. So, you know, panicking now at 0-2 is, is silly. I, you know, they have concerns. For sure, but um, you know it, it, they've got they've still got two of the top ten players in the NBA, uh, along with Westbrook, wherever you want to put him, and some pretty you know established star or, or, or veteran role guys around them. They'll they'll figure it out. I don't you know it doesn't mean they're going to win the title. I'm, I, I remain a little bit skeptical on that uh, count, but they'll be good. They'll be fine. And the Warriors are two and zero out of the gate. Uh, won't get Clay Thompson back till at the earliest the uh, uh, holidays, if not after the first of the year. Uh, they kind of retooled their roster. We know uh, Seth Draymond still are the the big pieces, and when Clay comes back, um, but do you like them enough so that uh, they're not going to have to play in that play in action this past year like they did last year? Can they be in the top five in the Western Conference? 
They can be, but either I mean, both of those things could happen. I mean, there's a a, a massive uh, variability with that team right now. Uh, a lot depending on you know, can Curry replicate his MVP like season from last year? So far, so good. Looks like he's going to. Um, so you can check that box. Draymond is still playing at, at, a, at a pretty high level as a defender and, and, and playmaker for them. And then, you know, it, it just depends on, like, how quickly some of these other guys come along and, and how some guys like, you know, say an Otto Porter, you know, you know who's, who's bounced around a little bit, will he find his best self there playing off of, of Steph and Draymond? When does Clay come back? What does Clay look like? Can he be- get back to a Clay-like level at some point during the season? Because that changes everything. In the meantime, Jordan Poole, looking like a bit of a breakout candidate for them, um, you know, really strong preseason, strong start to this season. And if he is a new player and a guy who can give you 18 to 20 a night on decent efficiency, and then Clay comes back and Clay is close to old Clay, and Jordan Poole just becomes this amazing sixth man, well, that's a whole new team. <laughs> Suddenly, you know, you have to look at them very differently. But there were a bunch of ifs in those sentences I just said. So, you know, we just kind of have to see how that all plays out. But, you know, Wiggins has kind of found his stride with that team. He's comfortable. He's playing as a defender and scorer. And, you know, uh, Nemanja Bialica, um, you know, early returns on him with the Warriors look pretty good. You know, it's a lot about, you know, how you get, how much you get out of your role players. You know, you know what you're getting from Steph Curry. It's, it's all about whether the rest of this roster is, is kind of worthy of his talent and, and can, you know, get them, um, you know, a top four or five finish in the West. It's possible this year because there's so much volatility in the West. You know, we've talked about the Lakers volatility already, but the Clippers are obviously without Kawhi Leonard and the Nuggets are without Jamal Murray. And so there's opportunity there for sure. Bielita was checking LeBron the other night in the opener. I couldn't believe that. He's playing LeBron on the perimeter and doing a pretty damn good job of it, as a matter of fact. The Warriors are going to be a very fun team to watch this year. It's always fun to have Howard Beck on my show. NBA fans, if you're not checking out the crossover his podcast, you don't know how much you're missing out. Uh, you also need to read him on SI. Do you write on given days, or do you write when uh, the uh, information, the content is out there, and you say, hey, I got a column coming? Uh, when when do I when can I look at SI and know you're gonna have a Howard Beck column up there? That there's no specific days of the week. That's what I thought. Don't, <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I don't really don't really don't really don't really work that way. But follow me on Twitter at Howard Beck, and whenever I write anything, I'm certainly posting it there. So that's the way to work it, Howard. Always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks. I'll be in touch in about a month, brother. Sounds good, Jody Mac. My pleasure. Howard Beck, uh, as good as it gets when it comes to NBA opinionists and columnists. He does his work for SI these days. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 